very quiet bells. Did you hear them? Good morning. I'll try and wake you guys back up, lulled to sleep. So second week of Advent, how many of you guys grew up in traditions where you celebrated Advent every year? They had the colors, they had the candles. Okay, how many didn't? Yeah, I know, I was one of those that didn't too. So all that was, I mean, that kind of stuff can be kind of new for us. Um, season of Advent, what is, what is it for? So that we don't lose sight of why we celebrate Christmas before we get there, right? Because Christmas can get crazy with all the hustle and bustle of getting ready for Christmas. We can easily lose why it is that we have this time of celebration. We know that we celebrate God when he came to earth, sent Jesus and uh, saved us, rescued us. We would be nothing uh, if he hadn't done that. And so we celebrate Advent. We have four big themes that come in. I don't know if you guys know that, but every year we have these four big themes that come through. Last week, we, we looked at the, the hope that God gives us. And so we looked at the prophecies and the promises of God. Today, we're gonna look at peace. And so how many of you guys could use some peace in your life? <laughs> right? Every time I ask that question, I know that's, a, that's a, I mean, an instant response, right? Everybody, always, right? Doesn't matter Christmas or any other time, could use some more peace in our lives. Um, well, imagine, imagine this. For that reason, we're going to start out. We're going to start. One of those places that, um, that uh, many of us think of when we think of peace, we think of getting away, you know, getting away from all the crazy around here. And so a place of peace. And so I want you to imagine that you're out there. Now, for some people, this doesn't have peace written all over it because I want you to imagine you're out in the middle of kind of this wilderness. You've been hiking out there for two to three days. I mean, you're deep into it, Right. And some of you guys are going, that doesn't sound peaceful at all. Okay, you have an entourage, they set up your tents, you have your blow dryers and you're, you, you, know, you have it all. But, but you're out in the middle of nowhere, right? So you're out in this peaceful, surrounded by God's beauty, just surrounded by that serenity that's out in, in nature that God has made for us. And, and you're coming up on this last hill kind of to get to that place where you're just kind of gonna be there for a while and it's gonna be out in just kind of you and God communing you know, out in nature. And so you're, you're coming over this last rise, you're fighting through the underbrush brush, you know, you clear the rise, you burst open this, in this clearing, and what do you find? Right there in the, middle of, in the middle of nothing for miles anywhere, you find a souvenir shop, right? And they're selling postcards and local jams and, you know, tchotchkes and stuff like that. And, and what's your thought? Now, some of you guys are thinking, you're thinking, oh, good, bathrooms, right? I mean, for some of you guys, but, but some of you guys are thinking, what in the world, right? What is this thing doing here? Out of place. It has no business being in this place. It, it's, it's just nothing about it matches the, the character or the nature of anything around it, right? Um, I, I think that our passage this morning might have struck some of you guys that way, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we come to, to Advent and we're thinking we're going to hear a story about Mary and Joseph. Or we're going to hear about the angels and, and the shepherds. But instead we hear about cultivating olive trees, right? And, and you're going, olive trees? What do those have to do with Christmas, well, that's, that's what we're gonna look at today. What do olive trees and cultivating olive trees and grafting branches, what does that have to do with Christmas? Stand with me. We're gonna look at that passage again because I think it might have slipped by some of you guys. Stand with me. We're gonna hear God's word. Listen to these words again from Romans eleven seventeen through 18. If some of the branches of the cult- cultivated olive tree were broken off and you... Branches from a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and became those who share with them in the richness of the cultivated olive tree's root. Do not be arrogant towards the other branches. Rather, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. 
You guys, the story of Christmas is all about things that are out of place, isn't it? Right? What was God doing being born as a baby? What was that baby who is God among us doing laying in a feeding trough in a stable on the backside of some small town, not even a major town in the Roman Empire? Shouldn't he have been in you know, a king's palace surrounded by an entourage that was just there to take care of him. But instead, who does he have visit him? Shepherds fresh in off the fields. Who does he have come by? Wise men, foreign kind of wise men that just came in under really under threat of causing all kinds of chaos on their way in, but they made it in there. And so even his own people weren't attending to him, but instead God had to bring in the unexpected, the out of place. But isn't that what the message of God is all about, right? I mean, think about how out of place we are considering that we're, we're God's sons and daughters. How did that ever happen? Talk about being a place where you don't fit in, where you're called by his name, brought into his favor. That's, that's not just surprising. That should be jarring to us. That should, be, could, should so just shock us it's kind of like when you take a branch from one tree and you graft it into something totally different. You go, what is that doing there? That's why we're talking about trees today. Because that's what happened at Christmas is when God came, he made peace between us and him. That was unexpected. Peace and a type of peace within us. It's not just a, it's a life-giving peace. Not just a settledness that sits there. It, it changes us. And because of that, a peace with each other. That's why we're talking about olive trees today. That's why we're talking about being grafted in in branches. About being out of place, but in a really good way. Today's message is titled, Grafted In. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning that we are even here. God, and not just here in this place, but here in this standing with you, in this relationship with you. God, that wouldn't have happened without Jesus. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus came and he, he changed everything. He took us, us, who don't by any means deserve anything that you gave us. And yet he offered us everything. We had nothing to give. You had everything and you gave it all to us and for us. So Father, thank you for that. And now you've taken us and you haven't just handed it and run off and kept separate. No, you've brought us close. We who were so far from you, who had no business being in your presence and yet you have brought us close. Father, bring us close this morning as we listen to your word. Bring us close by your Holy Spirit as he teaches us and he embeds that word in us and we, we realize what it means to be grafted into you to be totally dependent on the life that you give, not the life that we bring. God, teach us how to, how to hear your word and to listen to your spirit and to walk in the power of this new life that is now flowing, coursing through us because of your grace, because of your son, Jesus. So Father, meet us here this morning. We pray that you would do these things for your glory in the name of your son, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. 
You know, when my younger brother was born, uh, my mom and dad named him after my two grandfathers. So his first name was Marion, his middle name was Theodore. Now, Marion is not a name that you typically uh, associate, that many people would associate with men, uh, unless you go down south. And then you have a lot of boys that are named Marion down south. So you have uh, football players, you have uh, a former mayor of Washington, D.C., you have scientists, you have all kinds of others that were named Marion, uh, young boys. Um, most of you, uh, well, many of you don't know this, but John Wayne's birth name was actually Marion, Marion Morrison. Um, so there are a lot of Marions walking out there, male, males named Marion walking out, around out there. Um, but in spite of that, my brother decided that uh, he would not try and take that one on in life, but he went by a, a form of his second name, so he went by Tad about 99.9% of the time, but it was that 0.1% of the time that he tried something new that gave us all the best stories. Um, so when he went to college, he decided to, um, to register under his birth name. He thought, you know, I'm getting a different stage in my life, and so I'll go by the name that I was given originally. So he signed up as Marion, and so when he showed up to college and he went and he got into his classes, and then he went to check out the dorm that he, where he'd be living, and he was surprised to find that uh, it was occupied 100% by women. And, and they were surprised to find that there was actually a, a, a Marion walking around on the planet that was a guy. And so, um, but needless to say, so he felt out of place, right? Now, we've all been in that, those kind of situations where you just feel like you walk into something you're not prepared for or you're, and you're just out of place. It's very uncomfortable, sometimes embarrassing, uh, it doesn't matter if it's that you walk in and you find yourself in a, a room full of people that you have nothing in common with, and it's awkward. It doesn't matter. Maybe you went to a job interview, and, you, and you, you're going for this job that you know that it, as it unfolds, you just realize, I am so not qualified for this job. It may be something where, have you ever walked into a party or something, and as soon as you walk in the door, you realize, I am completely underdressed for this or overdressed for this, Right? But there are those times that we just, we're out of place. We, we feel um, uncomfortable. It's, it, it's, but every once in a while, something happens too where when you walk into a situation and yes, you're out of place. You're underqualified, you're underdressed, you're undereducated, you're underprepared. Yes, all of that, but you're so glad that you're there. You're so glad that you have the opportunity to be there in that place. You look around and you go, I don't know why I'm here. I can think of 100 people that deserve to be here more than I do. But I'm glad I'm here. You know, when I was in seminary, I, I had the opportunity. I was graduating and, uh, and I got invited to this dinner. And um, it was at a restaurant in downtown Denver. And it was in this very nice kind of private room there. And, and it was a very nice dinner and everything. And as, I, as I'm sitting there, and my dad was invited too, because my dad was, uh, he was going to be singing. Um, my dad was in music ministry and, and he was known in the area and he was going to be singing at the graduation. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm realizing I'm sitting at this table with all these very, you know, the president of the seminary and some of these high, you know, ranking uh, people of the seminary and, and all these are doctoral students. And I'm sitting there, I'm just this, you know, master's degree divinity student. And I'm going, I don't know what in the world I'm doing here. Uh, I, I started realizing, you know, I'm completely out of place, but I was, I was really happy to be there. It was a great meal. It was great company. But, but I found out later, they just thought it was kind of funny that this guy named Van Sr. Would, um, would be singing at the graduation where his son Van would be graduating. So they invited us along kind of as a novelty 
Um, but I was glad to be the novelty that in that moment, even though I was completely out of place. You guys, that is what it's like to be and to become and then to be a child of God. Where you sit and it says that we become, we've entered this communion of the saints and you're going, I don't, the holy ones. And you're going, I, I don't know that I fit there. That's not, that's not the crew that I remember growing up with. That's not the crew that everybody, when they look at me, they say, oh yeah, you belong with the saints. No, no. That's what it's like for someone who has this relationship with God as one of his children through this relationship with Jesus, and, with Jesus Christ. Over and over in the Bible, it tells us, though, that, you know, that, that relationship, that, that standing that we have with God is not something that we have earned somehow or that somehow we deserve. In Titus 3, 5, it says, he saved us, not on the basis of righteous works that we had done. So we didn't earn it. It says, but according to his mercy. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that none of us can boast. Romans 3, 23 and 24, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that, right? I get that part. But then it says being justified is a gift by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So when we find ourselves in that place where we talked about last week in Ephesians 2.19, it says, so then you're no longer foreigners, but now instead in Jesus, you're no longer alienated from God, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's own household. We can feel kind of out of place. And some of you guys have had that experience where you're going, I don't know if I measure up to this thing, this position that I find myself in. When I read scripture, I don't see that relating to me because I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of what it's talking about. And we're not. We're not. All of that is because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. When Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, right? They sinned, they broke fellowship with God, they, they, they did the one thing he said not to do, and they got removed from the garden, separated from that life. But one of the things that it says they were separated from was that they were separated from this, this tree of life, this tree, this access to that life, the eternal life of God. In the New Testament, it says, now because of Jesus, we have access to that life. And sometimes that feels out of place, but we have access to that tree. We have been grafted into that tree whose root is Jesus, whose fruit is eternal life and the blessing of God. What's funny about the passage that we read from, what's interesting about it, the passage we read in, in Romans 11 is that there are a lot of commentators, they've talked about what, what Paul is talking about, how he's talking about this, you know, this, this branch that gets taken from this wild olive tree and grafted in. And, and um, they say, you know, Paul got it all wrong. Paul got this all wrong. Because if you know anything about cultivating olive trees, and who in this room doesn't know everything about cultivating olive trees, um, but if you know anything about cultivating olive trees, you know that you don't take a wild branch and Plug it into a, you know, if you know what grafting is, it's where you kind of, you make a slit and you, you, you tape this branch in place, you cut it so it, it, it actually 
like starts to um, form with the, the tree it's grafted into. And so it, it then becomes a part of that tree, but it actually takes this nourishment from that tree. And they say, you don't take uh, this wild, unruly, unpredictable olive branch off of a wild tree. You wouldn't do that because it's gonna sap the strength from this tree you've spent so much time preparing in, in, in a certain way. You might do the opposite. You might take a branch from a cultivated tree and tap it into a wild olive tree, right? Because then you'll have the olives you want, but you don't have to expend all the energy from your cultivated tree. You can kind of save its strength, right? But they said, no, I mean, Paul, Paul got this all, all backwards. And so Romans eleven seventeen it says, you know, it talks about this richness or this fatness of this root, this strain. And because cultivated trees, you usually have spent your whole life and the life of generations of your family have gone into developing this tree to this point. And so they say there, there's no reason that you would take this, this wild branch and plug it in. You wouldn't do what Paul said that God was doing. And so he said, for, you know, for that reason, a lot of these commentators, they said, maybe this was an area Paul didn't know that much about. You know, he wasn't that well-educated in cultivating olive trees, and so he got, it, he got it wrong. He messed up. But then you look at it and you go, or did he, right? Because isn't that what God did? God did the very thing that you're going that you wouldn't expect. The one thing that you would say, you shouldn't do that, God. You shouldn't take these wild olive branches because the truth is not many of us, none of us, have come, we, we, don't, we don't come as branches off of these wildly, you know, these cultivated trees that have had generations of godliness that have been, not to the level God's talking about, I mean, even if you come from this, this line that has very godly people in it and that they've raised you and they pass these traditions on, it, it, for generations, we still are firmly rooted in that wildness of Adam and Eve, right? We still have that coursing through us. That is the, the nature of what we come to God with. And so he, he's saying, you know, there's this wild tree and yet God has, God has plugged us into, he has grafted us into his life, so that his life now courses through us. And in Jesus, we find that we, we were plugged into the source of this righteousness and this, this holiness that's actually acceptable to God, as good as we try to be, as good as we try to be on our own. As a part of that wild tree, we will never be what God is looking for. You guys realize that? We'll never be that. There's a wildness, an uncultivatedness to us. And so instead, he didn't say, he, he, he plugs us in, but now he says also there's something, there's something very special about this tree of life that we've been grafted into, this Jesus Christ. That we, there's something very special about having his own, it's like the sap of that tree start running through us, about the Holy Spirit coming through us because it starts changing us. We're no longer the same. We're not just wild branches on a wild tree. He starts transforming us, us so that we become more fruitful that we actually, and now that doesn't happen in actual olive trees. That doesn't happen in nature, but it happens with Jesus. So we are not just called the children of God. He calls us that because that is what we are becoming. So it ends up that Romans 11, it actually is a Christmas passage, right? Because at Christmas, we saw Jesus. We saw the beginnings of this work, this crazy plan that God had. 
that he was going to do about how he was going to start grafting us in. Through Christ, he was going to start grafting us in to his very life. And he was going to establish peace. Peace between us and God. This, this acceptance that we would be made acceptable to God through Christ. That we would be made holy to God through Christ. That there would be a peace also within ourselves. And you know, a lot of times we take that, that word peace and we think um, you know, peace is just about not fighting. Or peace is about two people getting along. Or peace is that I, I feel comfortable with myself or something like that. But peace is actually a word that almost has like a life to its own. You know, peace in, in the Old Testament is this word shalom, and it means this flourishing that, that comes from God's blessing. And he says that you know, we now have this peace within us that he's a peace beyond our own comprehension, peace beyond our ability to manipulate or happen or shut it down or make it happen. It's a peace that God works in us now. And because of all that, we have a peace with one another as well. Because when we do come to places like this table, when we come to places like this where we worship God together, we come knowing that, you know, this isn't about me. I was a crazy wild branch on a wild olive tree. I had nothing to offer God. And yet he cut me off and he grafted me in. The glory of that grace, the unmerited favor of God. You know, you see a theme here. It's a theme that we see all throughout Christmas. We saw it last week. We see it throughout all of Scripture. And it's this theme about how we were one thing. It was so far. It was so distant. It was so removed from. You know, we had become this thing that was so, uh, so divorced from God. There's no... There's no, even in our greatest imagination, we couldn't imagine how that, could, that, that chasm could ever be, be breached or could ever be, could be um, bridged. And yet we see that God, in the moment that we fell, began doing that work that then culminated in Jesus by which we were brought back, brought back to life through grace and back into the fullness of God. You know, when I, when I was a kid, we used to have this um, fairly unruly wild yard. Um, I, I found this out because one of the things that I was assigned to do was to mow our lawn, you know? And so I, I learned every, every um, corner and every crevice of that, of that lawn. And, and what I found was that, you know, we had some grass. I'm not sure if that was on purpose. Um, it just seemed to come up with all the other stuff that, that came up in our yard as well. But one of the things I found was we had things like wild carrots, you know, growing in our yard. We had, we had rhubarb growing up in crazy places. We, had, we even had a, a pumpkin vine uh, that was out behind our garage that I don't think anybody knew about. Um, but one of the things that I noticed with these carrots, you know, because every once in a while, I go, these are carrots. And I thought I was going to pull up this big, you know, long orange thing. It's just this little scrawny, you know, thing. And you're looking at it going, and, and it, actually you can't eat them, but they're really bitter. You know, and I'm going, you know, who would want one of these? They looked very different than the carrots in our neighbor's garden, you know. I, I looked at the pumpkins that grew up in our, our garage pumpkin vine, and um, they were just these little, 
you know, they didn't get the sun they needed. They didn't get anything they needed. They just kind of sat back there and did the best they can. And you got these little scrawny, like green pumpkin things that would kind of die out early. And you're just going, those don't look like the pumpkins I know, you know. And, and you look at those and because these, they were these kind of anemic imitations of the things that you knew, you know, um, that you were used to coming across. You know, when Adam and Eve fell, and we talk a lot about that, but when they fell, when we, they became like these anemic imitations of what God intended us to be. A wild olive tree, it might give olives, but a lot of times you can't use them because they're, they're a lot of pit and not much fruit. And we like the fruit and not the pit. Um, uh, a lot of times these things that are separated from kind of cultivation, and, and we find that out in our, in our spiritual life as well, that we, we became uncultivated, we became wild, we became these kind of almost shadows of what God intended. But what you see too is that as soon as they became outsiders, God was already at work to bring them back in. And this theme comes in of this pursuit of God. The amazing thing that we find at Christmas is that God is not satisfied in just bringing in those cultivated things and making things that are easy, right? God takes the impossible things and he does the impossible. And so when it came to his, his uh, birth, who, who's invited to Jesus's birth? Who are the first you know, announcers of the day? Well, he calls in the shepherds. If you know anything about shepherds, they had no business being there, being the first proclaimers of anything important. In that day, you didn't trust the word of a shepherd. You didn't, I mean, nobody did. They, they were just kind of, they did their thing, but, you know, you, and, and so um, instead he calls, he calls these shepherds, someone you'd never expect. Who does he call to be the, the, the mother for this, this child who's gonna be born, the son of God? It's this, it's this young teenage girl who, who kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, she's kind of in this line of, of a defunct royal household of this kingdom and everything, but, but she kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, he calls in foreign wise men. He calls in, you think of who Jesus called when he was on earth and who did he call to be his followers? The, the 12 guys that are gonna shape the world, right? Who are they? Well, they're these fishermen. They're these tax collectors that everybody hated. There's this one guy, he doesn't even make it all the way through. He's 12 guys he pours himself into and one ends up just taking himself out of the picture because he betrays Jesus. But these are the people that he calls in as part of his inner circle. Part of the ones that he'll use to change the world and he does that today as well. You know, some of us, we come to God and we say, you know, there are super Christians and then there's me, right? There's those who do great things for God and then there's me. I just am hoping I eek, eek into, I somehow squeak into, into eternity. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow I just barely make it, you know, and, and maybe somebody's not paying attention to the paperwork and they overlook something and they misfile it and I get in. But the reality is, is all of us are like that. All of us have been wild olive branches that are grafted in to the one who gives us life. Our greatest ability is the ability to depend on Jesus for what he is doing in us, not try and impress him with all the things that we're able to do without him. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14, it says that because we have been grafted in, it says in Christ Jesus, 
you who are formerly far off, you who are wild, you who are outside, who are unqualified, un, unprepared, un, you're so out of place, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You guys, that's the message. That's the message of Christmas. That, that comes in as soon as Jesus arrives. He says, I'm here to gather up the unqualified, the out of place, the wild branches, and graft them in. Is that amazing? So how does that change? How does that change our lives? How does that change how we celebrate Christmas? Well, I think, again, there are three ways that peace comes. There are three ways that I think that we need to look at this. One is this, knowing that God has grafted me in as a wild branch, I've been grafted into God's life through Jesus. It should, it should reorient my relationship with God. It should reorient my understanding my approach to my relationship with God. You know, God is not someone I chase after. God is someone who chased after me. Always has been. I love him because he first showed his love to me. My heart turns towards him because he poured out his heart to me. God is not someone I chase after as if he's avoiding me. Or is this somehow I'm not going to measure up? <laughs> I don't. And you won't. God accepts us and brings us in by the grace that is given to us through Christ. He is the one who chases after me. You look at that last part of those verses that we read in, in Romans where it says, remember that it is not you who supports the root. It is the root who supports you. And we would do well to remember that every day of our life. That's part of what it means to come worthily to this table. It's part of what it means to, to live our life in a worthy manner um, with our God. It's that we, we are here because of his mercy, because of his grace. And because of that, I can have full confidence that every time that I feel out of place or I do feel unqualified or I do feel unworthy as I go before God, I should go, exactly. And that's why I'm here. Because that's what God does, exactly. That's why you're here. That's why I brought you here. Not because of how you impressed me, but I offered this to you because of how much you needed me to intervene on your behalf. So Christmas Part of Christmas is celebrating that I have been grafted in. I have peace with God. I have it. I can stand in that because of his grace. So this Christmas, the question is, have you or are you setting aside time, setting apart time to just thank God for what he has already done? to remember what we celebrate at Christmas, which is that God in Christ was reaching out to pull us in, those who had no other way to get there. That God was showing us his grace in Christ and celebrating that we have this life and this grace. That really, and that shouldn't just be at Christmas time. That should be a part of our life. Our life should be one of thanks and of praise. Constant thanks to God. Not for what we accomplish. Thanks to God for what he has done. Amen? Second, I know, if I know that, that I am a branch grafted into God's life in, through Jesus, that should reorient me in my relationship to others. 
right? I've been, I've been given peace with others as well. And so, um, you know, sometimes uh, in that same verse, just before that verse in, in Romans, uh, it says, you need to remember, you don't support the root, the root supports you. And it says, because of that, because of that, you shouldn't be arrogant towards the other branches on this tree, right? Now, what's he talking about there? Well, have you ever walked into a place and you go, you know, granted, in theory, I come from a wild olive tree, you know? But the reality is, it wasn't as wild as that guy's tree, right? Have you ever had that? Or you kind of look at yourself and you say, you know, God had to show some grace to me, but oh my gosh, that person, that's grace, right? That's arrogance. Because the reality is, is all of us came from this place of devastation that we were cut off from God and we had no chance. We were all from a wild olive tree that wasn't gonna ever be acceptable to God. Doesn't matter how cultivated your part of the tree was. Each and every one of us is supported and given life only through Jesus and through the grace of God. And so it says that should really transform the way that you see your relationship with others because we all come dependent on his grace. That should give us a lot more patience with others. Man, if God's gonna be patient with them, if God's gonna be patient with me, shouldn't I be patient with them? Shouldn't I show the same kind of love, the same kind of grace it's only because his spirit is changing me that I am brought in and changed into the likeness of Jesus. So if that's, if that's true, then this Christmas, the question is, have you, have you set apart, have you made plans? Well, who have you made plans to celebrate with? When you think about Christmas and the celebration, who is it that you think about celebrating with? Because again, if we're going to celebrate the reality of of what Christmas is about as opposed to what it might have become, is it just those who are like you? Just those who are a part of this, you know, your your immediate family in this world? Is it just those who who, um, you enjoy spending time with? Is that the people? Or is it that you're celebrating the grace of God with all of those? who have benefited by the grace of God, which is really your family right here in Jesus. Have you somehow figured into your Christmas season the ways that you can celebrate the grace of God that we've been given with those who also have experienced that with you, whether or not you have any connection with them or not, right? Because isn't that what Christmas is about? We have been brought into this new place part of a new family tree that we, none of us had any business being a part of. And that's what we rejoice in. That's what we celebrate. This new relationship we have with each other. Finally, knowing that we are branches grafted in God's life, God's tree through Jesus Christ, it should reorient us in our understanding of who we are. It should reorient our our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, but also our relationship within ourselves, because it says that we have been, peace has been poured out within us, right? This, this grace, this peace. And so if my relationship with Jesus, I want you to think about this. If my relationship with Jesus is that of, I've been a branch off of a wild olive tree that's been grafted into this new tree. If that's what my relationship is about, I, I think there's a couple ways that I can be 
more at peace with who I am now. One is this, I, I have to realize I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cultivating in myself. I'm still kind of wild, right? There's these broken things in me. And that's always gonna be a part of me. When I see myself and I, I don't quite measure up to who God has called me to be, I should realize two things. One is, of course, because that's what I brought with me. But there's a second part to that, right? I'm still this wild thing, but I'm not the same as I was because now I have this, this different life flowing through me now. And it's changing me. It's changing me into, it says that we're being transformed into the image of Christ day by day. We're being made more to look like him in our lives than we look like our old, broken, messed up selves. And so on the one hand, yes, of course, I bring this craziness. And so I I can celebrate that while I still have this wildness, this brokenness, this sinfulness even in me that I don't measure up and it does make me feel out of place when I stand before God, but I have this confidence because he, in spite of that, he has taken me, he's grafted me into Jesus and has made me completely something new. And he is making me, he has made me a part of his tree in Christ. In Christ, I am no longer just as purely, he's like ruined me for thinking that somehow I'm, I'm just like one who's, who doesn't know Jesus. I'm not, and you're not. We're not just like those who are fallen and, and broken and separated from God. We're not anymore because we're in Christ. And that changes everything. Now, that doesn't make me arrogant in any way about either the branches that are still separated from Christ or the branches that are right there on the tree. It doesn't, I, I don't, I'm not any, I'm still the wildness. That, that's all I brought. But everything's changed. So this Christmas, have you thought about the ways that you can intentionally lean into that newness that God is creating in you? Not just participate in a party that we have a great time, but lean into that newness of becoming more like Jesus. Maybe that means you guys, you guys have outdone yourself with this toy thing. That's fantastic. I mean, we shot through the top of that thermometer where we had 500 and it's blown through there and we got more toys now than, you know, I mean, we just have enough toys to really bless the people that'll be coming in. Amen? Now, that being said, still be praying that we get the families in there so that we can bless them, right? But then another way to plug in is, can we serve at this, at this toy store? We still, we need people to help set up and tear down and, and to serve and to run and to wrap and to all kinds of stuff. This Christmas, have you built in ways not just to enjoy yourself and to take in, but also to pour out? It may be in the way, the intentionality that you buy presents with. That's a very intentional way to be like Jesus. Thinking about the people you're buying your gifts for. God thought about us when he was giving us Jesus. He wasn't thinking about himself. He's thinking about us. We reflect that. But also in the ways that you serve people or in the the pool of people that you send gifts to. Have you ever just given a gift to somebody that you had no reason to give a gift to, aside from just that you had the opportunity to do it? Peace with God, peace with others, peace within ourselves. Are we reflecting that at Christmas? Christmas is the day that we saw that first glimpse of God's crazy plan to graft us in. So um, do we feel out of place with God? Absolutely. You should, I do, all of us should. I mean, are we undereducated, underprepared, underdressed? Yeah, absolutely. 
But is it a good place to be? It's the only place to be. Grafted in through the grace of Christ. Amen?